Welcome to Deleted Saves. On this episode, The Sinking City on PC. Recently, I discussed a game based directly on the works of early 20th century weird fiction slash horror author H.P. Lovecraft, and how that game translated into the realm of video games. Today, we enter the realm of games inspired by his work, but not necessarily based on any one piece of fiction. This will also be one of the newest games I've yet addressed on Deleted Saves. Today I discuss 2019's The Sinking City. The Sinking City is an interesting game, not only in its premise, but also in its development, as well as its distribution woes, which I will get into in a bit. During its initial concept period, developer Frogwares wanted to handcraft a dilapidated city in the style of New England in the 1920s to fit the frame of much of its subject matter, the Cthulhu mythos. However, since they simply weren't able to do that, they turned to the Unreal Engine to have the program procedurally generate a city, like in Assassin's Creed. The seven districts of the city were given special parameters based on design documents for each area, cleaned up by the programmers, and certain key buildings and landmarks were added by hand to denote special events. The generic look that Unreal generated for the developers was then designed and disguised by hand with on-site created assets, such as seaweed and barnacles, in the districts that were completely flooded. So already we are dealing with something that could have had some issues due to its pre-generated nature being dressed up by crafted assets, and boy howdy, does the sinking city have issues. But let's dive into the plot. While it is not exactly dated, it is the decade of the 1920s, and we begin with a cutscene hallucination. Our protagonist, never a hero in horror games, a detective named Charles Reed, is dreaming of some horror from the deepest depths of the ocean, trying to come into contact with him, and is nearly lost in the abyss. He awakens suddenly in the belly of the worst tugboat in the world, a rusty old tub that he has bought past John to reach the island city of Oakmont, a little regarded island somewhere off the coast of Boston, Massachusetts already very much on the areas of Lovecraft bases fiction in, that only the lost and broken can find. Reed is a Navy veteran of World War I and an experienced diver. Now, keep in mind the diver technology that they had in the 1920s is not what they have today. Instead, using the old waterproof burlap suits and heavy brass diving helmets, one might see in an old-time movie with an air hose hooked up to a pump on the surface. So the extent that Reed can actually go is limited. Regardless, diving will play an important role in this game. However, something has since happened to Reed. He has begun to have otherworldly visions of terror, monsters, and the flooding of the city of Oakmont for some time, which have granted him some sort of extrasensory powers that he uses to fulfill his current job as detective. The concept of private investigators searching for clues that lead to unimaginable cosmic horror is another trope common in the works of surrounding Lovecraftian fiction, but is somewhat anachronistic. Lovecraft himself had little use for the idea, as the job was uncommon in the time of his own writing. Lovecraft himself wrote protagonists that were academics or writers, people he valued as more intellectual than someone tied to law enforcement, who were simple brutes and rubes in his own tales. This concept is tied more to fiction famous in the 1940s, made popular by Raymond Chandler or Dashiell Hammett, among others, and the years just around and after Lovecraft's death. 
It would be like Sam Spade versus Cthulhu if you were looking for the similar idea. In any case, Reed's visions have become too much, and he travels to Oakmont to try and understand why he has these visions and what they mean. Reed is met by a man on the Oakmont docks named Johannes Vandenberg, who was his contact on the island and gave him the information on how to actually get there. Vandenberg wears a particular yellow suit, which will come into play later. Reed's patron sets him up with a hotel and a basic map of the city, as well as a general warning of the odd events that occur around the city. But he is otherwise very cagey, suggesting Reed begin his investigations with a man named Robert Throgmorton, who just happens to be nearby. Throgmorton is not a man to mess with, or is easily missed, as it is very obvious he is only mostly human. The rest of his decidedly simian in nature, which Reed asks about, and Throgmorton only says his forefathers made a deal with some sort of powerful entity to obtain, as he calls it, this striking form. This will not be the first person Reed encounters who has some unusual features, as many of the island's inhabitants are, at the moment, refugees from the destroyed village of Innsmouth, which I addressed in my review of Call of Cthulhu, Dark Corners of the Earth, meaning that the Innsmouthers, as the locals call them, with hatred, look exactly like a trout with a human body. Nor is this the last unusual thing Reed will see on Oakmont Island. Reed is hired by Throgmorton to find out what has happened to his son, who has been murdered, and how it is tied to the flooding of the island and his involvement in a recent university expedition into both uh, the earthquake, the flooding, and the visions. From there, it only gets much more involved. Oakmont, as Reed and the player will discover, is a city deeply tied to the occult. Bloody-handed cultists and robes are a common sight in the city streets, just as common as dock workers and fishmongers. The citizens must follow bizarre, archaic rules and rituals set by the cults, which could result in anything from getting their mouths sewn shut as a punishment to public executions outside the bounds of law. They speak in a weird dialect and worship an entity they call K. Worse, there are the wild beasts that flood the city. From strange rat-like monsters that are hairless half-cats, half-tentacle rats, to more dangerous things made of crab legs and human hands or shadow humans spitting fire and acid. People just accept these creatures as common, while running for their lives from them and seeding large swaths of the city to them. Basically, Oakmont is fucked. However, Reed is not helpless. With his military training, he is able to handle a wide variety of guns, which he will obtain through his investigations, as well as the ability to craft traps, explosives, ammunition, and healing kits to keep himself alive and kicking. He also has a melee attack with a shovel to strike enemies as he runs out of bullets and explosives, but I wouldn't recommend that unless you are desperate. But this is not just an action game. The Sinking City is an actual, honest-to-God detective game first. One of the few times not only a Call of Cthulhu actually uses a detective work, but uses it well, let alone a lot of other detective-based games. I am looking at you, L.A. Noir. Frogwares has a lot of experience in this department, as they have long developed mystery games based around the Sherlock Holmes license, where the detective work is the name of the game. The player will actually have to follow clues and research of the local library, university, police station, and newspaper to advance investigations unless you luckily bumble into where you need to go while randomly wandering through the seven districts of the game, which is counterproductive. 
However, Reed's mind is as fragile as any other mortal, and his experience either fighting the wild beasts or using his psychic abilities can cause him to hallucinate, which in this game is odd overlays of phantom monsters or crazed doctors charging at Reed. If your mental state gets bad enough, Reed will attempt suicide with his own weapon, so a warning for those who are sensitive to that. Madness is still part of encountering the mythos, after all. From these initial investigations, the plot spirals into a cult insanity and why Oakmont attracts such monstrous citizens and poor saps like himself. Oakmont is actually the nexus of the Cthulhu activity. And from here, the Great Old Ones plan to destroy humanity. Beneath Oakmont is a sunken temple to the creature named Cathella, the hidden daughter of Cthulhu himself. And once she is free, she will resurrect her alien Pope Daddy, sink the city, and call forth the Great Old Ones to destroy the world. Oh, and remember that I said we need to pay attention to our patron Johannes Vandenberg's suit? That is because he is actually an aspect of the alien outsider god named Hastur, in the form of his herald, the King of Yellow, who has been summoning Reed and other potential quote-unquote chosen ones to see who will be the one who finally uncorks the seal in the temple and ends all life on Earth. At the end of it all, based on the in-game choices, Reed has three options. Flee back to Boston and try to forget it all, kill himself to prevent this outcome, or accept his fate and allow the betentacled one to consume the world. In my review of Call of Cthulhu Dark Corners of the Earth, I stated that those who create within the Cthulhu mythos do one of two things. Either write more lore on the existing alien god monsters, or add new ones to the mix. The Sinking City has done the former and the latter here, as nowhere in the original writings from Lovecraft himself is there a daughter of Cthulhu. Cathella comes to us from author Brian Lumley in his 1975 short story titled The Transition of Titus Crow, in which Cathella and her androgynous mother Id-Yah, that deity created by another author named Lynn Carter many years after Lovecraft himself was alive, are detailed. The team at Frogware is assigned to take those writings in advantage of them who came after Lovecraft to work inspired you know, by his own work and build the game's lore around that. And thus is why I say The Sinking City is a work derived from inspiration rather than direct retellings of Lovecraft's own short stories and novellas. But the big question is this. Is the Sinking City scary? Well, yes and no. It really depends upon your perception. Allow me to explain. As I've stated in reviews of other horror games, horror is subjective. What scares one person doesn't bother someone else. And to be honest, trying to scare someone in a video game is difficult, because we are removed from the terror, safely tucked away in our homes and safe spaces, and in control of a capable avatar. It is not us in the life-threatening situation where there is not only gunplay or threat of pain, but also madness beyond human comprehension, but a digital creation. The Sinking City does provide some deeply unsettling imagery, as well as some terrifying implications, but there are problems with the game that can take you out of the moment, that being the unbelievable number of graphic bugs and glitches. I'll detail those in a bit. However, I argue if that you are allow yourself to accept what you are seeing is actually part of Reed's hallucinations, if it is just part of the overall creepy occult nature of the island, 
and you cannot trust what you are seeing, then it actually increases the unsettling atmosphere and can provide some legitimate what-the-fuck moments. And now it's everyone's favorite time here on the show, the time we discuss the issues around the game. Frogwares did an amazing job trying to build both a genuine detective game and an effective horror game based on a well-known property, but they had problems. The biggest is that they simply did not playtest the game enough or offer enough as far as QA testing, because the bugs and glitches are ridiculous. I myself have encountered random NPCs appearing and disappearing while walking down the street, monsters and people falling through the world, and some genuinely funny moments of floating NPCs, such as a woman who was working at the city newspaper sitting in the air two feet above her desk and chair typing, or the patient in the city hospital who was supposed to be laying on a bed uh, one floor above where my character was, instead floating in the middle of the entrance hallway while I was having a cordial conversation with the admitting doctor. Combat is not crisp and can be very sloppy, and the dialogue tries to emulate the sadly common racism of the period, but around fish people and metahumans, even with a warning at the game's start from the developers, so it is weird. Even the hallucinations can be repetitive and uninspired, with other games having done a better job on the madness and dread. The game is rough. What critics would speak on the game, giving it middling reviews too, which surprised no one. However, this pales in comparison to what happened to Frogwares upon distributing the game. Nacon, a French game company, was set to distribute the game until April 2020. Frogwares terminated this contract due to lack of payments from Nacon and intellectual property violations from them. So as a result, the game was delisted from Steam, Epic, Xbox, and PlayStation until August 2020. In 2021, the game was republished on Steam by Nacon using supposedly hacked versions of the code to get it to pass the weak regulations Steam places on publishers so it would play. Fans review-bombed the game to support Frogwares, and Nacon stated they had met their financial obligations, and Frogwares had issued a DMCA takedown to get the game off Steam. So it would seem the real horror here is the fact lawyers and money monsters we cannot truly defend ourselves against. This also means that any attempt to patch the game isn't happening. Which, to be honest, is utter bullshit. The Sinking City is actually a good game with genuine potential, but it needs a lot more polish. So where does that leave my thoughts on the game? Well, it is neither a problematic favorite, nor is it a we-need-to-talk kind of game. I got what I expected, and I knew going into this game that there were bugs, but as I said, the bugs could be worked around and didn't break my game, even sometimes enhance the atmosphere. But will it be a recurring favorite? Not really. At least not without a lot more polish and some additions that could have pushed it over the edge to a favorite even despite the issues. But as I said, this is an amazing detective game and it needs to be seen and played just to experience the work of a company who truly have the market cornered on mystery and exploration games. You know. And then the legal fight with the publisher, the delisting that effectively erased it from its ability to be uh, gotten, unless you can find a secondhand a physical copy, or just buy the still-listed game on Steam, and, well, the game is just a clusterfuck of good intention, great ideas, unpolished execution, and legal theft and malcontent. The background bullshit sunk this digital ship long before it ever reached its destination. The Sinking City 
is just a middle-of-the-road game inspired by Lovecraft's work. I would say, if you can find a copy, get it on sale. Just know that the game is a mess, but offers some really great chances to try your detective skills, or at least as much as a video game will allow. Just don't expect any backup or patches from the developers. They are too tied up in international legal system to be able to do anything about it. This could have been a great AA studio game, but it was slapped with an occult curse that only lawyers can undo, and they aren't interested in doing much about it. And from legal limbo, no light escapes or rescue is possible. Thank you for listening.